we were singing that, <clears throat> that song, Fire of God, I was also thinking about the refining fire, because that song says, um, fire of God, burn in me, consume all my wickedness. And you know that when Jesus came when, in one place in Luke's gospel, in uh, chapter 12, he said, I have come to cast fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. So Jesus wanted to bring fire on the earth. And you remember, in early on in the gospel, he said that he would come to baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire. And uh, we, we hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking about the fire that he desires to bring. And it's to consume and burn away the sin and those things in the heart that um, cause us to become uh, mixed and lukewarm and conform to the world. When there is no fire, our life is not tested and we can have, it's easy to have the form of godliness and to have sin that we can hide or suppress in our heart and then we become uh, lukewarm. So what Jesus said in the church, uh, the Laodicean church, he said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And then he said, I, I counsel you to buy from me with fire refined, gold, gold, sorry, refined by the fire. He said, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Because when you, have, when you have something hot or cold, you have, you know, something hot can use something for hot. Cold can use something useful for cold. But when lukewarm, it's a mixture of the two. And that's what uh, a person, when we become religious and not spiritual, we become lukewarm. And this happens when we make provision for the, for the flesh and sin. And we don't love God with all the heart, then we become lukewarm. But there's a false sense of security in that that happens to anyone, any, every one of us. When we start to become, um, we take sin lightly, then lukewarmness comes in. <coughs> So what does the Lord have to do? He, ha he desires to bring fire. Because the fire is what refines and sifts and, and cleanses and purifies and distinguishes those who love Him from those who don't love Him. That's why He brings the fire. And so He says, you need to buy from me gold refined in the fire because the fire is, is testing. And when we sing that song, you know, fire of God burning me. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring the fire because it will manifest whether or not we love our sin or we hate it. Because if we cling to sin, what will happen when he sends the fire? If we love our sin and he sends the fire, it will, it will burn us up. And that's what judgment is. Because we know that in the end, those who love their sin will be cast into the fire. Because every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. But everyone who hates sin and loves Jesus more when he sends the fire now on earth, because he said, I'm coming to cast fire on earth, the fire will, will cause us to choose to either love sin or turn from sin. And if we, if we allow the refining to continue and not produce vain, vanity, or continue in vain, they will purify our hearts and sanctify, which means to separate, separate, us from those sinful things and, and sinful desires, the will of God from the will of our flesh and the will of the devil. 
the fire will begin to separate. And it's a testing, <clears throat> and it's an opportunity for us to choose to turn from sin. That's what he wants when he, when he brings a fire. So when we ask for that, and you know, we sing that song, then we have to take it seriously because God will, he will bring opportunities to bring the fire. But it's possible that the fire can, can refine in vain. Do you know that the scripture says that? There's a passage here in uh, Jeremiah in chapter 6. It helps us to understand this a little bit. <clears throat> Let's look at the last few verses in Jeremiah 6. <clears throat> God is sending a destroyer on his own people. Did you know that in Jeremiah that the Lord was pronouncing judgment that would come from the north? An enemy would come on horses. In verse 27 he said, uh, the end of 26, he said, Suddenly a destroyer will come upon us. In verse 27, I have made you an assayer and a tester among my people. Jeremiah 6, verse 27. So God said he's going to use the enemy, like the devil, to, to test his people. That you may know and assay their way. So this, in the Old Testament, was a nation that God used to come and bring judgment. It was a fearful time. All of them are stubbornly rebellious, going about as talebearers. They are bronze and iron. They all of them are corrupt. So what does the Lord do when He sees corruption in our hearts? Same thing He did when He saw His people who are stubborn and rebellious and, and full of corruption and sin. He said, I'm going to send an enemy to assay you and test you like fire. To, to show you that your, your wicked deeds, this is the result of them. So either that you would, it's like discipline. It's like when a father comes to his child when they're sinning, they can either repent or they can rebel and keep doing it. And the discipline has no, oh, no good result. It goes in vain. So God said, I'm going to send uh, a great nation against you to test you because you're like bronze and iron. But listen to what happened in their case. Verse 29, The bellows blow fiercely, the lead is consumed by the fire, in vain the refining goes on, but the wicked are not separated. So the purpose of the fire was to separate the wicked from the righteous, or to those who would repent from those who would not repent. So the fire came, the enemy came in, the, the lead was consumed by the fire, but it didn't actually separate wickedness from righteousness. So what happens when you have wickedness and righteousness mixing together? It's like hot and cold, right? Lukewarmness. That's why the Bible says not to be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So when we love the things of the world, then our mind, we, we allow our minds to open up to the things of the world. We listen to these things. I was thinking of a passage this week about, it says, don't let any filthiness or hint of sexual morality or any impure thing be even named among you or even think about it or have it among you. If we have these things before us, what happens is our minds get corrupted and then we end up defiling and corrupting those around us. So God said, I have to send the fire to separate so that we don't become lukewarm. But in this case, the refining was in vain, and he said, they, uh, they call themselves rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. And later on in the next chapter, these people began to say, look, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, we, it's like we go to church. It's an Old Testament <clears throat> terminology. 
But if you go to Malachi, I want to read something here. The last book of the Old Testament. God said that he was going to send a refining fire, and he was going to send a messenger to prepare the way before that fire would come, which was Jesus. This was the prophecy speaking of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Malachi chapter 3, the last book of the Old Testament before Matthew. I have the title on, on the top of this chapter. It says, The Purifier. Do you know who that is? That's Jesus. So verse 1 says, Behold, no, actually, let's read verse 17 of the last chapter, chapter 2, to get the perspective here. Chapter 2, verse 17 says, You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, How have we wearied him? And that you say, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? So you see how that in those days, at that time, there was like a, a washing over, a mixing of good and evil. It was like everyone's okay, everyone's good. There's no, that is sin. No, that is wrong. That is, God's, it says here, they were just saying, everybody's good. There's no one bad. You've, I've heard this, and people say, you know, we're, we're good. People are good. And that is to say that God is evil when you say that. Like, man is good. No, God is good and man is evil. And there's a distinction between those who are righteous and those who are not. And when there's a confusion and a mixture, and it happens in the church, or it happens among anywhere God's people, God has to send fire to sift. Because He knows what will happen. You know the scripture, it says, a little leaven leavens a lump. And when we allow the world to come in, and, and when it starts in our mind, and then it gets into the heart, and then it, or it starts in a family, and it goes and it affects the children, God has to bring uh, refining fire. And so this is what happened. What did he do? He sent a messenger. He's going to bring a messenger. Behold, I will send my messenger, it says, or like an angel. or a, He will clear the way before me. Now that's referring to John the Baptist. He will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to this temple. The messenger of the covenant. Speaking of Jesus now. In whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Jesus is coming, but he's going to send John the Baptist before Jesus comes. Because when Jesus comes, he's coming with the Holy Spirit and fire, but John's coming, preaching the baptism of repentance, and men should repent, to prepare them for when Jesus comes. But look what it says. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who is going to be able to stand it when Jesus shows up? Who can stand when he appears? Why does it say that? Because he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller. So Jesus, the scripture says here, that Jesus is the refining fire when he comes. Because Jesus comes to separate the wheat from the chaff. He comes to separate the righteous from the unrighteous, the holy, the evil from the good. He's the one that comes when everyone says, whatever this guy's doing, it's not that bad. Whoever does evil is good. Jesus comes with a fire to say no. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cast into the fire. And every tree that bears good fruit is preserved. And it says, He will be like a refining fire. And He will be like a smelter. Verse 3. And a purifier of silver. That's what Jesus will come to do. To burn in us. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord Offerings in righteousness. 
really weird that their hearts would be refined so that they would bring forth fruit, the fruit of repentance, keeping and bearing the fruit of repentance, bearing good fruit to God, offerings of righteousness to do what's right. And it says that he will uh, draw near for judgment in verse 5. Because those who don't want to repent, whoever does not believe, the scripture says, is condemned, is judged. And I will be swift against the sorcerers and the adulterers and those who swear falsely, hypocrites, against those who oppress the wages of the, of the, of the earner of his wages, against the, and the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> so those who don't fear him, God says, I'm going to come like a fire. Now let's look in, uh, in the New Testament to see the fulfillment of this prophecy. In Matthew. In Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> you can see this is exactly what happened. In that day and age, there was a lot of form of godliness. <clears throat> and John was pointing it out and he was saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's coming. The voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight paths. And then, people were coming to be baptized and they were confessing their sins. In verse 7 of Matthew 3, he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism and he said to them, you brood of vipers. He called them snakes because they were coming in pretense, yet he knew their hearts were like a serpent and a double tongue. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why are you coming here? And then he said this, this thing here. Bear forth fruit in keeping with repentance. So this is what we need to be challenged with. Is, you know, I look at my life. Am I, am I producing fruit that's, that's in line with repentance that I had in my life? Because if, if we've repented, then we should bear the fruit of that repentance. But if we've repented and we're not producing good fruit, but we're producing the fruit of the flesh or worldliness, then God will send someone an opportunity to say, are you bearing fruit? That's what he did to these Pharisees and Sadducees. <clears throat> do not say, they had a false security. He said, do not say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise from these stones children up to Abraham. He said, the axe is at the root of the trees, and every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then listen to what he said. He said, as for me, I baptize with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus is the one who brings the refining fire. So John could go and he could baptize anybody. That was easy for him to do. People come to him and they say, I want to be baptized. He could baptize them. But when Jesus came, he would refine with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he knew what was inside of men. Because he didn't need anyone to testify whether they were good or righteous. The Holy Spirit was able to discern that. And when he brings the fire, it tests our heart to see whether we love him or not. And it says, he has a winnowing fork in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. That means he wants to sift. He will gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He's saying, I'm going to separate the righteous from the wicked. Right at his threshing floor, that's like his church. He's going to use the fire and, and the sifting to separate. So when we say, fire of God, burn in me, we don't want the refining to go in vain because we know that when Jesus comes, he's going to separate those who love him from those who don't. 
and it's an unquenchable fire. So it will consume and burn, because God is a consuming fire. So Jesus was there, and then he said these things, and he himself was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then look, at, look what happened to Jesus. What, after, what happened right after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit? You know what better scriptures is? A little more uh, complete is if you go to Luke. I want to read this in Luke's Gospel now because it will help us understand this. Luke chapter 3. Um, go there for a moment. <clears throat> so... The same thing happened here in Luke chapter 3. It's the same part there in verse 17. Jesus said, I'll thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And then we come to chapter 4. And it says, And Jesus, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. So, he was full, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was led by the Spirit to be tempted. You know, you know what the word tempted means? It means to be tested. When you have a temptation, when a temptation comes in your mind, it's a test. So the test, how you respond to the test, determines whether you are refined in the fire, or whether you are consumed in the fire, or whether you just get refined in vain and nothing happens. So the temptation that comes is the test. It is part of the refining fire. So when the fire comes, you say, Lord, I want to be, I want to be, I want the fire to burn away and deal with the sin. How do you do that? It's exactly how Jesus did. So when Jesus said, I'm going to baptize the Holy Spirit fire, he went through the exact same test. He went, he prayed, he received the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit says, Okay, now you're going to be tested with fire to see if you, by the power of the Spirit, resist the devil. When the test comes, when the fire comes, you resist the devil and he flees. Or, when the test comes and the fire comes, you love the sin and it consumes you. And it, refine, it doesn't refine you, but it just goes on in vain. So it says that the Spirit led Jesus to be tested, to be tempted by fire. <clears throat> I want to show you a scripture that can verify the very things that I said to you. Turn to First Peter, verse 1. Can you use the scripture to get an understanding of, in the, of the definition of being tested by fire? <clears throat> so this is helping. This will help us because the next time, when you get an onslaught of temptation and a barrage, recognize it as the fire of God, and then we can get some fear and recognize this is God's refining fire. I can either be sanctified by it. Or I can be consumed. I can be like the ones who are cast into the into the fire in the end. So how did Peter say it? In 1 Peter 1 verse 6, he said, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. That word is also translated temptations. So it says, you recognize, okay, something's going on in your life. I'm going through different distresses and trials and temptations, whether it's a temptation that's clear in your mind as a sinful thought, or it's a, a circumstance in your life that's causing you to be stressed or anxious or discouraged. You can react out of anger, you can get frustrated, you can sin with your mouth, you can go to the flesh, 
All these things are temptations that will cause you to respond one way or another, to, to sin or to humble yourself and come to Jesus. So, Peter said, if you're being distressed by various temptations, it's for one purpose, and he explains it in verse 7, that the genuineness or the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, Peter himself said exactly here, he drew a picture, a parable, and he said, when you are being tempted and going through testing, it's the same as gold being tested by fire. So the fire in our life is like the temptations that come where we get to choose how we respond. Whether we resist the devil or whether we continue in sin. And if we resist the devil and we overcome temptation and test them and our faith is over, is prevails, then it says we can result. We can be found to result in good fruit, which is praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. When we see Jesus, we'll be found worthy. When we overcome, when he sends that fire. Another scripture in chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial or ordeal. So it's a test. Don't be surprised if you go through a fiery test. If you want the fire of God to burn in you, then you can say, Lord, let me go through these tests, but help me to overcome. Which comes upon you for testing. So he is a picture again, right? The fire. Whenever he talks about fire, he talks about testing. So fire is testing. So when Jesus said, I'm going to be like a refiner's fire, and I'm going to purify the sons of life, it means he's coming to test you. To see if you love him. He's going to test you. Someone said to me once, why does God always have to test us? He didn't like that. Some uh, Jewish guy, years ago, he didn't understand why God's always testing us. It's the only way he knows how, whether we love him or not. It's the only way he, we, we're counted worthy whether we're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Adam and Eve were tested. First thing, first thing they ever had to do what was a test. Will you eat from the tree or not? It was a test. It's, the, it's like the refining fire. When Jesus comes, he comes to test us. It's a coming upon you, which this fire is a testing, as though we're not supposed to think it's a strange thing. But it says to the degree, and I like the word degree because you know how there's different degrees of temperature? You can stoke that fire like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They turned it seven times hotter. So the devil, when he's really upset, what does he do? He says, God says, go ahead, you can test them. And he got those guys to turn up the fire seven times hotter to get them really scared so that they would deny Jesus, deny their Lord. But they said, it doesn't matter. You can throw us in there. We're not going to deny the Lord. So whatever degree of testing you're going through, whether it's a strong battle where you're weak, or whether it's another small thing where you, don't, you can just uh, neglect it or not recognize it as a test, <clears throat> ask God to show you the purpose of it. Because when you go into the test, what are you doing? It says you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. That means Jesus also went through the fire. He was there also being tested. It says you're supposed to keep on rejoicing. It's an opportunity. You get to show God that you love Him when the test comes, when the fire comes. You can choose so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with it. When God is revealed, you can know, I overcame the test. I didn't submit to that thought. I didn't submit to, to speaking those words. I didn't hold on to unforgiveness or bitterness. <clears throat> and you know what? And probably what will happen is you will get reviled or by your friends or even your family. They'll say you're a bit radical or whatever. It says, if you were reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. 
Because when you start to overcome like that, people get convicted, condemned, because they feel like, are you better than us? <clears throat> Just like when uh, um, these Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and, and Daniel, they, they started to do well, then their colleagues kind of conspired against them to trap them, to set them up, because they were jealous. And they got reviled and they got persecuted in that sense. The same thing happens today. <clears throat> so we get to suffer for Jesus in the frowning fire. And so go back to Luke chapter 4. We can see how Jesus suffered here in this fire. But how he overcame. So when he was in the desert, the desert symbolizes a picture of being tested. When he takes us through a, a time when you feel... Maybe like you're alone, or maybe like it's too much to bear, or maybe like, how come it's like this? That represents God sending us through a time of testing so that we can be found worthy at the end of it. So Jesus was by himself. He had no food. He had no support. Naturally, he was by himself. But we know the angels of God came later on to minister to him, but he had the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean we're alone. It doesn't When you're at work or wherever you are and the thoughts come in your mind, God supplies us, equips us with the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. So Jesus had these weapons of righteousness. But then the devil came. And he said, if you're the Son of God, verse 3, Luke 4, 3, tell the stone to become bread. So he could just, in his hunger, in his moment, that's what temptation is like. It's like a craving. I'm so hungry right now. I just have to go to the fridge and I have to eat this thing. Temptation is like that. I just want to look at this and lust after this. Or I just want to buy this thing. Or I just want to... I'm so angry with that person, I just want to speak that word to them. <clears throat> or they've offended me, and that's not right. I just want to hang on to this un unforgiveness. Then the devil comes and says, okay, just go ahead and do that now. Just satisfy the temptation. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. We know he said another place, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that was his first temptation there, and this recorded here, at least in this spot. We know you and other ones. But he was being refined and tested. And he overcame by the word of God. So that the refining was purifying him. And we see at the end of this passage what happened to him when he overcame. And the same thing will happen to us. Then the devil came a second time and he led him up and showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You know, some people, if I could get this good job and then I could have this beautiful house and I could have all these things and I could just and you just set your mind on that and set your mind on that and the devil says just, just listen to me and I'll give you all these things because I mean come on like which one of us is going to become a president or a king and have all the kingdoms none of us probably are going to ever have that temptation right but maybe the devil will come in another area and he'll tell you if you do this I'll give you this if you just set, set your mind on, on my interest for a while just like you just work for that you just go after that so yeah, I'm going I'm to achieve that. Meanwhile, the Lord says, follow me. So I will, Lord, but not right now. i just gotta, I got to pursue my life in this world. And then Jesus says, no, 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 if you love your life, you lose it. But if you lose it for me, then you gain eternal life. So the devil gave him a promise to Jesus, I'll give you all these things. And he said, <clears throat> it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him all. I can't serve the devil and worship the devil by, by saying, if he's going to give me the things that I want, that my flesh wants, if I meditate on those things, I give glory to the devil. But if I hold those thoughts captive, and I say, I'm going to worship God. So, and one more temptation, the devil came and said, look, 
you who are who you say you are. This is kind of like when uh, we have a desire to kind of exalt ourselves. Maybe it could be through desiring giftings or desiring some kind of ministry or anointing or, you know, uh, whatever it is. In this case, you know what, if I jump off this temple, I'll get recognition. People will see I am the Son of God. You know, it's like desire for recognition. This is in the heart. We can't always see it. We don't always know what that looks uh, it manifests though when the Lord allows temptation to come to show do you want reputation before men or do you want the honor and the praise of God? Do you want praise from men? And Jesus said, He said to him, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He said, Look what look what it says in the Bible. You can jump off here and the angel will catch you. And even the devil will use scriptures to tempt people to try and receive glory for themselves, thinking they're doing it in the name of Jesus. And that was a temptation. <clears throat> Now, at the end of all this, it says, when the devil had finished every temptation, that, that is the word for trial. So every temptation that the devil brought, which was a trial, a fiery trial for Jesus, he departed from him until an opportune time. And then verse 14 says, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So in verse 1, it says that he, had, he was filled with the Spirit. But to be filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that that's it, that's the end of the matter. I'm filled with the Spirit. Oh, I'm doing good. But the purpose of being filled with the Spirit, what's the purpose of being filled with the Spirit? Is it to speak in tongues? Is it to say that I have the Spirit? What about you? The purpose of having the Holy Spirit is so that when the devil comes, you're so filled with the Spirit that the sin has no value to you. It's like, why do I want to sin? So when Jesus had the Holy Spirit, He was able to say, away from me, Satan. I do not want to sin. I want to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when every time He overcame and you, He was able to resist the devil... He was being sanctified. He learned obedience to the things he suffered. And he became more and more um, perfected. Jesus became perfect through the things that he suffered, it says in Hebrews. And when he was perfected, he received power over the devil and over sin. So that this is how you become stronger against temptation. You know when it says that um, when you suffer for a while, he'll strengthen, establish, and perfect you? It says he'll strengthen you. So that means we get stronger against that area of weakness. So just the same, when you give yourself, say you give your flesh to an area where you're weak, and you just say, well, I'm just going to do this anyways. You know what happens is you become weaker in that area. You lose ground, and the devil gets stronger in your life. But when you resist the devil in an area of your life, you gain ground, and you have more power over the devil. And that's why it says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He had power filled with him, and he had boldness because of that. Because, you know what? When you overcome sin, it's easy to preach to others and repent because you can just preach what you've done. And that's why he went out into the temple and immediately began preaching the gospel after he was tested. But if we're trying to preach the gospel without overcoming sin, it's not really in the power of the Spirit. It's not effective. Not the same effect. God uses all these things. But really, what's most important to God is that the, the fire is burning in our hearts. And we're overcoming sin. And then we can go out in the power of the Spirit and we can tell people, follow me, so I'm following Christ. <clears throat> Don't sin against Jesus. Let the fire of God refine you. Buy from Jesus gold refined in the fire. Don't be lukewarm. Buy Isaac to open your eyes to the spiritual things rather than looking at the earthly things. Isaac is like healing, right? It's like when you have something wrong with your eye. You need the salve. And if our eyes is not single and it's set on the things of the world and we love the things of the world and the lusts of the world, we need to buy eye salve. 
<clears throat> so we can go to the scriptures and see the way Jesus walked. So the fire of God <clears throat> is, is profitable for those who allow the testing in their life to produce uh, good fruit, to produce a turning from sin. So when you, when you recognize temptation the next time, remember these scriptures, right? Remember that it's a test. It's a test from God. The fire of God. So either it's going to be in vain or it's going to purify you and fill you with power from the Spirit. And Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth. That He wants to bring fire. He wants to refine and purify our hearts. And the good news is, is that He can. He can do it. Yeah, he's strong enough to do it. We, we just have to trust him, believe him, receive it. And when it comes, what does fire do? If, if you were to touch fire, it's painful, isn't it? It always is. Fire brings suffering, and that's what the cross is. When there's a suffering, it's, that means you're being, you're, you're, the flesh is being burned. In the song it says, consume my wickedness. So when it's sin, when we're denying ourselves, when you deny yourself, that's suffering. And when we suffer, it's the fires burning away the flesh. And it's like <clears throat> the living sacrifice. You know what it says in, in uh, Romans 12? It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's like being burned, but you're still alive. You don't die. That's why Jesus said, he who believes in me, even if he dies, yet shall he live. Though he, he, he dies, uh, <clears throat> though he lives, he shall never die. So it's like you're on the altar, like Isaac is, and then you're just allowing the Holy Spirit to burn away and lead you and overcome temptation and suffering inside, but yet the joy is coming and you're living. You're a living sacrifice. That's what we're supposed to be, an offering to God. And then you'll be one of the ones when it says, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he comes? You know who could stood? stand? Stand was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood in the midst of the fire, <coughs> and, it, and they weren't consumed. <clears throat> Remember what the first thing that, that, that God manifested to Moses? What was the first thing God manifested to Moses when he heard his voice? It was a burning bush. What do you think that symbolizes? That symbolizes God saying to Moses, Moses, I'm going to make you like a burning bush. I'm going to send fire in your life, but you will not be consumed in it because you will be holy. When everyone else, when Moses was on the mountain and the fire came down on the mountain, the trumpet blast, where was everybody else? They were far away because they said, we're going to die. If the fire touches us, we'll be consumed. But Moses was right up in the mountain with the fire, with God, and he wasn't consumed. He was the burning bush. And Jesus said, who can do the day of his coming? Who can stand when he comes? Anyone who overcomes sin is like the same as the burning bush, the same as the Shadrach and Meshach when tests come in your life. You can, you're in the midst of it, but you're not dying. That's why when we see Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of the eternal fire because we'll have been consumed will have been refined in it. The fire won't, won't harm you. It won't bother, it won't touch you because your heart will be sanctified. But everyone who's living a lukewarm life, on that day when the fire comes, it will consume them because their heart won't be set apart. So <clears throat> we can be refined today. You know, every day is a refining fire for us. But it's producing an eternal glory for Jesus. Amen.